I want to remind you that the last few weeks I've been preaching on the Holy Spirit and the importance of having the Holy Spirit in your life. And the reason that I've been doing that is because next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. And so uh, we're just preparing for Pentecost Sunday next Sunday. And Pentecost Sunday is the day that the church celebrates the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And so what I have done the past few Sundays is preach about the importance of the Holy Spirit and especially how the Holy Spirit is important in your everyday life. And it's very important that we open our hearts and listen to what I feel like the Holy Spirit has to say to us. As a Pentecostal church, we do believe in the coming of the Holy Spirit, and we do believe in the infilling and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and we do believe that the gifts of the Spirit can be operative in a church service, and not only a church service, but it can be operative in your daily life. Can I hear an amen? And if we're not careful, we can get really busy and we can forget about how important the Holy Spirit is in your everyday life. And this morning, just for a few moments, I want to share with you one of the very fundamental doctrines of, of our faith, and that is being filled with the Holy Ghost. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Ghost? And as some of our Christian believers, Christian brothers and sisters, they would argue and say to us that when you get saved, you get it all. When you get saved, you get it all. And I would have to argue with my brothers and sisters today, even though they're very sincere with that, I'm going to prove to you in Scripture that once you get saved, there is more to God than just getting saved. Can I hear an amen? Somebody shout out, there's more to God than just being saved. Everybody shout it out one more time. There's more to God than just being saved. Now, being saved is great and it's wonderful and that's your ticket to heaven. But uh, God has given us a little fuel here to make it till we get there. Can I hear an amen? And so we're going to look at that in the scripture just for a few moments this morning. And we're going to start with John chapter 14. John chapter 14, beginning with verse number 16. Verse 16, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you, but you will know him, for he will dwell with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, for I will come to you. Look at verse 16 one more time. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. The phrase, he will dwell with you, and he will dwell in you. That's interesting to me, because the context of John, the writer John, now listen to this, John is speaking to his, or excuse me, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And the new covenant was not established yet. In other words, these disciples were not saved as you and I know salvation. The disciples were living in the Old Testament. They were living under the law, and that was their view of salvation. They did not come to an altar. They didn't repent of their sin. Nobody prayed them through at an altar. The disciples here are standing here with Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm getting ready to leave. But somebody else is going to come. And he's going to walk with you. And he is going to be in you. You see, ladies and gentlemen, the disciples did not have the Holy Spirit in them. So this was a new revelation. John is writing these words and saying that something new is getting ready to occur. Something new is get a new dispensation is getting ready to occur. You don't have the Holy Spirit yet. He's not living in you yet. <clears throat> but I'm getting ready to go away. He's going to come and he's going to walk with you and he is going to live inside of you. Now, hold on, you ready? So this is a new revelation for the disciples. Jesus said, this spirit is going to live in you now. And then just a few other chapters, John chapter 11, or excuse me, John chapter 20, 
in the same book, the same book, John chapter 20, beginning with verse number 21. Verse number 21, so Jesus said to them, who is he saying to? He's talking to his disciples. He said, peace to you. As my Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, received the Holy Spirit. Now, did you all get the, you get what's going on here? In John chapter 14, Jesus says, I'm getting ready to go away. And I know you don't got the Spirit inside of you, but I'm going to go away and he's going to come and he's going to live inside of you. A few chapters later, in John chapter number 20, Jesus is getting ready to be crucified. He's getting ready to, or excuse me, he was already crucified. He's getting ready to go to heaven. And before Jesus goes to heaven, he looks at these disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now let me ask you, ladies and gentlemen, do you believe that the, the Spirit of God did something in the disciples' hearts that day? If you believe that, wave your hand or shake your hand and you say, the Holy Spirit did something. John 14, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. John 14, Jesus said, I'm going away. And he's going to come. He's going to be with you and in you. Then John chapter 20, Jesus is getting ready to ascend to the Father. And Jesus says, hold on. Before I go to the Father, come, come a little closer here. He breathes on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. The disciples became born again like you and I because they received the Holy Spirit. You know what Jesus was doing? Jesus understood the Torah because in the Torah, God himself took a piece of clay. Adam is the Hebrew word red clay. He took a piece of red clay, made it in his image, and what did God do, Pastor David? He breathed into that lump of dirt, and that lump of dirt became a living soul. Hallelujah. Jesus says in John chapter 20, this is a new dispensation. You're actually dead on the inside. Your spirit is dead on the inside. Just like Adam was dead in the book of Genesis, and God breathed into him and he became a living soul, I, Jesus, is going to breathe onto your dead spirit, and your dead spirit is going to come alive again. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. And those disciples received the Holy Spirit. They became regenerated. They became born again. They were alive unto God. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe we need a revival of true repentance. We need a revival of true salvation where the Holy Spirit of God takes a dead dead person who is dead in their sin, unregenerated, an uncircumcised Philistine, where the Spirit of God comes upon them and breathes life unto them, and that person becomes a living being unto God. And Paul said, he said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. You see, the disciples did not understand what Jesus was doing. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. But in John 20, Jesus breathed on them, and they became a living, spiritual, alive being unto God. You see, you can't be saved without the Holy Spirit. Because Titus chapter 3 verse number 5 clearly tells us that not by works of righteousness which you have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. You see, you can't be saved without the Holy Spirit. So my Baptist friends and my Methodist friends and my Presbyterian friends, they are right when they say they have the Holy Spirit. They do have the Holy Spirit because you can't get saved unless the Holy Spirit regenerates you. So my brothers and sisters and other denominations, we agree. We stand firm uh, and head to head and shoulder to shoulder. We agree that you have to have the Holy Spirit to be born again. As a matter of fact, every believer who is born again, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Somebody say amen. 
So every person who is born again, they have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's living on the inside of them. But I believe the Scripture teaches us that even though you have the Holy Spirit, there is still more to God than just getting saved and repenting of your sin. There's more to God than that. And sometimes if we're not careful, we stop at the altar and we think we've received it all, but there's so much more to God than just a salvation experience. You see, the Scripture is clear in Luke chapter 3 and verse 16. You see, the writer Luke says there's more to God. He says, John answered and said, I indeed baptize you with water, but one is mightier than I that is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus was preparing His disciples. Listen, there's more than just coming to Jesus. There's more than just getting saved. You've got to receive what Jesus said, the Holy Spirit and with fire. The Bible says in John, excuse me, Luke 24, 49. Luke 24, 49. Jesus said this right before He goes to heaven. Jesus says this, Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you. He tells his disciples what I want you to do. I want you to go tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus was clear. He's told his disciples, listen, John baptized you with water under repentance. And then Jesus said, the Spirit of God's going to live in you. He breathed on them. They received a spiritual experience. But Jesus is further saying, that even though you repented of your sin, even though you repented of your sin and was water baptized under John, there is another experience. He said, I want you to go wait for it in the city of Jerusalem, and I want you to be endued with power on high. The Bible says it is power from on high. It is the promise of the Father. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, Jesus is ascending to the heavens, and before Jesus ascended to heaven, Jesus said this to his disciples, But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, unto the ends of the earth. But you see, Jesus also said in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 4, listen to the words of what Jesus said here. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 4. And they being assembled together with them. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not too many days from now. Now let's stop here. The book of Acts was written after the book of John. So what happened in the book of John? They didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. They didn't know the Holy Spirit can live inside of you. But Jesus breathed on them in the book of John, and they received the Holy Spirit. Would you agree with that? That's in the book of John. But the book of Acts is written after the book of John. These disciples already had the Holy Spirit. Jesus already breathed upon them. They already got the Holy Spirit. And if they got everything, then why is Jesus telling them to go wait in Jerusalem and go wait for the promise of the Father? Why is Jesus telling them you need to go wait for something else? If they had already gotten everything that they needed, they wouldn't need to wait in the upper room and wait for another experience. If Jesus... In John chapter 20, by breathing on them, if they got everything then, in John chapter 20, when Jesus breathed on them, then why is Jesus saying Acts chapter 1 and verse number 5 to go to the upper room and wait for the promise of the Father? 
for you will be endued with power. Because Jesus understood something, that there is more to God than just repenting of your sin. There's more to God than just coming to an altar and confessing that you're unworthy. There is power from on high. There is endowment from on high. There is the Holy Spirit that can shoot from the top of your head and shoot out the bottom of your feet and set your feet on a rock to stay. There's power from on high. John said, Luke said here, Luke said here, you need to go wait for this. Go wait for it. Because God is getting ready to do something new. This is a new dispensation. This is a new time. God is getting ready to do something new. So the Bible says 120 disciples went to the upper room, and as they were in the upper room, tearing for the Holy Spirit. Now, when I was growing up in the old church, they made us tarry. They made us come around the altar, and we were there. Man, my Lord, I remember being in church. I mean, some people didn't get the Holy Ghost. You know what they did, David? <laughs> Where is it? Y'all going to laugh. When I was growing up in the old church, Lana, they took the oil and rubbed it all over your lips. <laughs> I was in one service. They got the Bible and rubbed it in the person's face, and they took the person's head. I mean, we were there for hours. Because you wasn't going to leave that church service unless you spoke in tongues. That's the old church. But ladies and gentlemen, in the Bible, they only had to wait and tarry one time. Why did they have to wait? Because it had never showed up before. Jesus said, go wait for it, because at my timing, at my will, I'll send it. Ladies and gentlemen, the Holy Spirit has already came. He's already come 2,000 years ago. We don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit any longer. It is not a reward. It's a gift, and it's free, and we don't have to wait for it any longer. So Jesus said, Jesus said, is there anybody in the house helping me preach today? Is this all right? Jesus said, go wait for it, and you're going to be endued with power, and the Spirit of God's going to come upon you, and you're going to be witnesses. Now listen. And I'm going to say this, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is not that we just speak in tongues and have a good time, but the purpose of the Holy Spirit is that you would be endued with power to be a witness for Christ. Come on, somebody, say amen. You are called to be a witness for Christ. You're called to spread the gospel, and, and it empowers you to do so. And Jesus said, go wait for it. And when they came, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one place in one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. I was reading this scripture one day, and the Spirit of God said, look at that again. And now this is not, this is, this is Josh Pennington's commentary, okay? I was just reading it one time, and the Spirit of God said, do you see the sequence here? They waited for it in anticipation. They didn't know when it was coming. They, were, they just had to wait for it. And then, Acts 2, and suddenly it came. You see, ladies and gentlemen, if you, will, if you will wait on God, I said if you just wait on God and you will trust God, that is a prerequisite for you to receive a suddenly in your life. You hear me? So they waited. And the Bible says the Spirit came. They begin to speak with the tongues. Now, now let me say that. I said this last week but I think it's important for you to know that they spoke with tongues. But when they spoke in tongues, everybody understood that was in the city their language, right? So it's not like, listen, it's not like they left the upper room and they're just speaking in tongues with their hands lifted and they're worshiping God. That is not the story. They were not having a Pentecostal church service and, and, and sister so-and-so didn't get out the tambourine and they didn't shout out the bobby pins, and nobody was given a tongue and interpretation. It was not a Pentecostal service. Am I right? The Spirit came. They began to speak with tongues. They left the upper room, and the people who were in the city celebrating Pentecost heard their languages. Is that what the Bible says? I said, is that what the Bible says? The Bible says, verse number 6, Acts 2, verse 6, listen to this. 
And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together. They were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. So what was God doing? You know what God was doing? God was saying, listen, I want the gospel to be preached around the world. So I'm going to have the Spirit of God come upon you. You're going to speak languages of nations of the world so you can go from this place, which is Jerusalem, and go to the four corners of the world and preach the gospel. So what is, what is Pentecost? It's being endued with power so you can spread the message. So Acts chapter 2, you have diverse tongues. Languages that people can understand. But we do know the scripture teaches glossolalia, which is a prayer language to God. Am I right about that? Am I right about that? 1 Corinthians chapter 12 speaks of glossolalia, or what we call is prayer or devotional tongues to God, that when you pray in tongues, it's a language for God to understand. It's unknown to you, untaught to you. You didn't learn it. It was untaught. It was a gift. And it's a language to God. It's a prayer language to God. Acts chapter 2 was languages the people understood. But there is also another gift that is a language unto God. Jesus is saying, Jesus, saying, go wait for it. Because you're going to be endued with power and the Spirit of God's going to come upon you and you're going to preach the gospel. You're going to be witnesses. I think it's clear. John chapter number 14, the Spirit, he told the disciples, the Spirit, is going to be in you. That's, that's new to them. They're living under the law. They're following the Torah. The Spirit. Who's the Spirit? It's going to be in you. Acts, I mean, John chapter 20, Jesus breathes on them. They receive the Spirit. But then Jesus says, I want you to go wait in the upper room. And I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit. Now, if I was a disciple, I would quickly say, but Jesus, I thought a few days ago you breathed on us. I thought I had already got what you wanted me to get. But Jesus obviously is saying, you didn't get everything I wanted you to get. So go to the upper room and wait for it, and you'll be endued with power. So, ladies and gentlemen, there's more to God than just getting saved, and repenting of your sin. Jesus said, you heard of John, haven't you? John baptized you with water under repentance. But he says, I'm going to baptize you with another baptism, and it's going to be baptism of fire. You were baptized in water with John, but now I'm going to baptize you with fire so you can go spread the message. Somebody say amen. Acts chapter 5, I want you to very quickly see that in the book of Acts especially, there is a distinction between one being saved and one being spirit-filled. Everybody shout this out with me. There is a distinction between being saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. It reminds me in the book of Leviticus, and I'll, I'll, I'll share this later. You remember in the book of Leviticus where they were making the shoe bread? And the Bible gave specific instructions how to make it. And this is typology, and you can't build theology on typology. I understand that, but it's an interesting typology here. And, and in the Old Testament, they would, the priest would take this bread, which is called the shoe bread, show bread, and he would take it, and what he would do is when he would make the flour, he would take the oil, and he would put the oil in the flour. Okay? Is that right? And he would mix it up, and... When the oil was in the flour, he'd mix it up and knead the bread, and he would make the dough and make the bread, and he would put it in the oven. And then when he take it out of the when he take it out of the oven, guess what he would do? He would pour oil on top of it. It had oil in it, but it had oil on top of it. When you get saved, you've got the spirit in you. 
just like everybody else. But there is another experience where Peter said, the prophet Joel said, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon your sons and I'm going to pour out upon your daughters. So there is more to God than just coming to the front and being saved. It's being endued with power. It is being baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, I was raised in the old church and I ain't going to apologize for it. I ain't going to apologize for it. I love all the fried chicken. I like going to church on Sunday night smelling like fried chicken. I like being at church till 11 o'clock at night. Come on, somebody. I just like the old stuff. Is there anybody in the building who wave your hand? You, if you haven't experienced it, then, you know, sorry for your luck. But it was good growing up in the old church. <laughs> and, you know, and, and they had some faults and failures, but God used them. And one of the things that I learned about growing up in church, anytime there is fire, there's going to be smoke. And just because you had a bad experience in church don't mean that all churches are bad. Come on, somebody. I like that guy dating that girl. The girl said, I just don't know about you. I had two, I just had bad experiences with men. God was said, well, baby, you've never had me. Just because somebody does you dirty, doesn't mean everybody's going to do you dirty. Just because one church did you dirty, don't mean every church is going to do you dirty. Just because you had a bad experience, doesn't mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater. Now, Acts chapter 5. Are you all with me? Acts chapter 5. Look at what happens here. We're going to see a distinction between salvation and this experience called the baptism. There's a distinction. You ready for it? Acts chapter 5 and verse number... Acts chapter 5, verse number 8. Verse number 8. I think I'm wrong here. It's Acts chapter 8. That's what happens when you can't read your writing. Acts chapter 8, and begin with verse number 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria. And what did he do? Everybody say he preached. Everybody say he preached. And the multitudes with one accord gave heed to those things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who was possessed, who many was paralyzed and lame. They were healed and there was great joy in the city. How many knows that when the word of God is preached, there is great joy? I'm going to say that again. Y'all didn't act too convincing. I said, when the, when the Word of God is preached, there is great joy. These people heard the Word. There was great joy in the city. Now, it appears that when Philip is preaching, these people, quote-unquote, gave heed or responded to the message. Would you agree with that? The Bible says in verse number verse number 6, Acts 8, verse 6, the Bible says, with one accord, they gave heed. The word heed is they believed. With one accord, these people believed the message of Philip. So somebody shout, they all believed. And they believed the preaching of Philip. And then, this is what happens. Now, this is crazy. This is what happens. In Acts chapter number 8, verse 14, something begins to change. So, would you agree with me that these people were probably saved? If you believe these people were probably saved, raise your hand. They probably gave heed to the message of God. They're saved. Now, in the same chapter, verse number 14, look what happens. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem, what happened? They heard that Samaria had received the Word of God. So would you agree that Samaria received the Word of God and they are saved? That they, Philip preached to them, they received the Word of God, these people are saved, 
And the Bible says the church at Jerusalem heard about it. They heard about all these people getting saved. And verse number 15, And when they had come down, who? Peter and John, they prayed that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So I want to ask this church a question. Did Philip preach to Samaria? Did the city give heed to the words of the preacher? Did the apostles at Jerusalem hear about these people getting saved? And the Bible says they sent Peter and John. Verse number 16. Get this. Verse 16. The Bible says, For as yet the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen upon none of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if they were baptized in Jesus' name, would you suspect that these people are saved since they were water baptized? Well, y'all ain't helping me out. I want some participation. You ready? Would you agree that since they're baptized, they're probably saved? Right? They were baptized in Jesus' name. And then Peter and John's there, and the Scripture says that it hadn't fallen upon any of them yet. And the Bible says, verse 17, I'm about to shout here. Then they laid hands on them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now hold on. If, if you get it all, if you get it all at salvation, then why is Peter and John praying that they receive the Holy Spirit if they've already got it at salvation? Peter and John understood that even though you have the Holy Spirit to get saved, you don't have all the Spirit. There is another experience, and the apostles laid hands on them that they might receive the Spirit. And the Bible says in verse 18, there is this man that was unconverted. He did get converted. His name was Simon. He was a sorcerer. And the Bible says, verse 18, And when Simon saw through the laying on the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered money. Verse 19, saying, Give me this power that anyone to whom I lay hands on might receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, But Peter said, Your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Now let's stop here. Our, our brothers and sisters who don't agree with the baptism of the Holy Spirit will simply say, nowhere in this passage does these people speak in tongues. And I agree. Read the whole passage. Peter and John lays hands on them. Philip preaches to them. And everybody gets saved. They get baptized. So they're saved. They're water baptized. Peter and John go to the city of Samaria, leave Jerusalem, go to Samaria. They heard about their salvation. They lay hands on them, and they receive the Spirit. But nowhere does it say they spoke in tongues. But I believe that if you read closely, it gives us an indication because the Bible says, verse number 18, and when Simon, verse 18, and when Simon saw through the laying on of hands of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given. You can't see the Holy Spirit. So what did he see? You can't see the Spirit of God. You can't see power. He saw an evidence that when the apostles laid hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. Simon saw evidence that these people got the Holy Spirit. So, so what happens here? This is what happens. Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Acts 8, verse 5. This is, this is the progression. Philip preaches the gospel to them. Verse number 12. The Bible says in Acts 8, verse 12. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, the name of Christ, they were both baptized. Philip preached. They believed. They were baptized. Verse number 17, Acts 8, 17. Or excuse me, verse 14. Acts 8, 14. And when the apostles heard at Jerusalem that Samaria had received salvation, 
what happened. They sent Peter and John, and the Bible says in verse 17, they laid hands on them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So I'm about to shout. Verse number 5, he preached. Verse number 12, all of them believed and all of them were baptized. Verse number 14, the church heard about their salvation and sent two preachers. The two preachers, Peter and John, went to the same city that got converted, laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit, and Simon saw the power of God at work. What are you saying, preacher? I am saying that these people understood that there is more to God than just repenting of your sin. There's more to God than hearing a sermon and being water baptized. They received an experience. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. The conversion of Paul. The conversion of Paul. Acts chapter 9. Saul was later changed to Paul. And you know what? You know what? You know what Saul did? He persecuted the Christians. And, and he refers to himself as the chief of all sinners. Okay, so this was a bad dude. Okay, and can I can I just step and say this? You know what the Spirit revealed to me as I read the Scripture about Saul, who was later changed to Paul. Now, don't lose me, because this right here was worth this. This is a nugget right here. Saul was very zealous in killing people in the name of God. Just like ISIS thinks they're doing God a favor for killing Christians. Saul thought he was doing God a favor for killing Christians. I mean, in his mindset, you would probably do the same thing. There's one God, Jehovah, Elohim, Yahweh, and you all are worshiping a man. You deserve to be killed. That's his mindset. The only thing that could change that mindset is a conversion experience. And that's what happened. So, he was very zealous in killing people in the name of God. And let me stop here. You being zealous without the correct information leads to destruction. You hear me? I, let me say it again. Being zealous for God can do a lot of destruction in the church and in people's lives if you don't have the correct information. I'm going to say that again. Can, can, I, can I just preach a little bit? Can I say it one more time? You being zealous for God can do a lot of damage in the church if you don't have the correct information. I'm going to say it again. You being zealous for God can do a lot of damage in the church and in people's lives if you don't have the correct information. Saul was zealous. He was killing Christians in the name of God, but it did harm to people. And I've seen people really excited for God. I mean, they're excited, and they go into Walmart, and they lay hands on people, and then it, they do more damage for the cause of Christ because they're zealous and they don't have no biblical information. Can you go in Walmart and pray? Yes, sir, you can but you've got to be led of the Holy Spirit in those situations. Can, can you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? Yes, you can, but you've got to be led by the Holy Spirit to do those things. Can I hear an amen? Is it good to be zealous for the Lord? Yes. Is it good to be joyful and happy? Yes. But you couple it with the Word of God and it produces power. You couple your excitement and your zeal with the Word of God, it produces power. But if your zeal alone, if you're just trying to do it on zeal alone, it could do damage if you don't couple it with the Word of God. Is that good? So you've got to have the Word of God connected. To, it's it's kind of like Zerubbabel. The Bible says the walls of the temple was destroyed. And the Spirit, the Bible says in Zechariah, the Spirit of the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. And then the next book over in Haggai, the Bible says in Haggai chapter 4, 
The Bible says, and the word of the Lord came to Zerubbabel, the same person's heart that was stirred up. The word of the Lord came to Zerubbabel and said to him that the glory of this latter temple will be greater than the former temple. What was God doing? God was saying, I'm stirring your heart up with zeal and excitement, but I'm giving you a word to hang on to because on Monday morning, sometimes you don't have nobody playing and singing for you and you've lost your excitement and you've got to hold on to some more than just excitement. You've got to hold on to the word of God. You've got to couple it together. And so, so this is what happens. Acts chapter 9, the Bible says, And verse number 15, I'm almost done here. Verse number 15, Paul, or Saul, was a persecutor of Christians. Verse 15, and the Lord said to Ananias, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the kings and Gentiles and children of Israel. So, based on that statement, I would assume that Saul got saved. Which... Based on that statement, Saul got saved. Number one, because Ananias, or the Lord spoke to Ananias, said he's a chosen vessel. So obviously this man's had a conversion experience. And then the Bible says in verse number 17, Acts 9, 17. And Ananias is the person that God revealed the vision to that Saul was going to come to his house. Verse 17, and Ananias went his way, entered the house, and what did he say? Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, where is Saul saved? He got saved in Acts 9, verse number 4. He's on the road to Damascus to kill Christians. Jesus appears and Saul has an experience. Acts 9, verse 4, the Bible says he fell down. He heard a voice. The Lord spoke to him. He had a conversion experience to the point that verse number 7 said, that the people who were with him was speechless. So Saul has a conversion experience. As Saul is laying on the ground, and the Lord is speaking to him, a brother over in, on, oh, the brother in Damascus by the name of Ananias on a street called Straight is praying. And the Lord said to the man, I have chosen the persecutor who is Saul, and he's going to come to your house, and I want you to pray for him that he might receive the Holy Spirit. If Saul got everything he needed on the road, then why would the Lord have spoken to Ananias to say that when he gets to your house, I want you to pray for him that he receive the Holy Spirit? Isn't it interesting that Saul, he gets saved, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit, Verse, look at verse 17. Ananias went his way. He entered the house, said, Brother Saul. So we know he's saved. He's referring, to, he's referring to Saul as brother. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Saul is saved. He is filled with the Spirit. And verse number 18, immediately there fell from his eyes, that's speaking of salvation, something like scales, and he received his sight at once. He he arose and was baptized. Verse 18, he was baptized. So, you see the progression. He has a conversion experience on the road to Damascus. He is prayed for by a man by the name of Ananias that he might receive the Holy Ghost. The third thing that happens to Saul is he was water baptized. He's saved. He's filled with the Holy Ghost. And he is water baptized. 
there's more to God than just getting saved. There's more to God than just being water baptized. Those are very important things. But there is more to God. What about Acts chapter number 10? Acts chapter, I'm almost done. Now, I know y'all going to go home, you're on camp, eat your hamburgers and hot dogs, so you just give me a few moments because I want to get you filled with the Holy Ghost before your stomach is full of hot dogs. Somebody say amen. So Acts chapter 10. This is the, this is the Gentiles of Cornelius' household. Acts chapter 10 and verse number 46. Oh, 44. These are Gentiles of Cornelius' household, and this is the experience that happened. Ready? Acts chapter 10, verse 44. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon them who heard the word. And those who were circumcised, who believed, who was circumcised? The Gentiles, or, or the, excuse me, the Jews, who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had not been poured out upon the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded that they be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. You see what's happening here? These Gentiles had heard the word of the Lord. These Gentiles had heard the word of the Lord. Because the Bible says, Peter tells the story in Acts chapter 11 verse 13. Or excuse me. Yeah, verse 13. Acts chapter 11 verse 13. Peter tells the same story. Look at it. He tells the story. He says, and he told us how we had seen the angel. Excuse me, look at verse number 12. Acts 11, 12. Then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing moreover than these six brothers, brethren accompanied me, and we entreated the man's house. That's Cornelius' house. This is Peter telling the story of these Gentiles in Cornelius' house. Verse 13. And he told us how we had seen the angel standing in his house, who said to him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you your words by which you and your household will be saved. Verse 15, And as I begin to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, <laughs> as upon us at the beginning, and then I remember the words of the Lord, how He said, remember? Then Peter is remembering what the Lord said in Luke 3.16. John indeed baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Peter is in Cornelius' house with the Gentiles. He's saying, listen, I remember years ago Jesus said that there is more. I remember Jesus said that we were baptized under repentance because John baptized us. But I remember that Jesus also said in Luke 3.16 that the Spirit would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And as Peter was preaching, the Spirit came upon the Gentiles and they began to speak with tongues and glorify God. What are you saying? I am saying there's more to God than just coming to church. Acts 10.46 Acts 10.46, the same story. Both, both chapter 10.11 is telling the same story. Verse 44, Acts 10.44, excuse me. The same story. Because Peter was telling the story to someone in chapter 11. But this is what happened. This is the story. Peter was still speaking, and the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those who were circumcised believed. Verse 46, for they heard them. Why did they believe? They heard them speak in tongues and magnify God. And the Bible says in verse 47, he said, Can anybody forbid these to be water baptized? So let me ask you a question. Were these Gentiles born again? Did they hear the words of Peter? 
Did Peter pray for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit? And were they water baptized? Yes. Water baptized. What about Acts 19? The Ephesian disciples. Acts 19. Verse number 1. Verse 1. Acts 19, verse 1. And it happened. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you... When you what? So is it understood that these disciples are saved? I'm going to ask one more time. Are these disciples born again and saved? Because the question was, did you believe in the Holy Spirit? Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? So they're already saved. And so, what was their response? They said, we've not even heard there was a Holy Spirit. Can you imagine? They're like, dude, what are you talking about? I'm saved, but what is this Holy Ghost stuff? It's kind of like our other brothers and sisters in Christianity. You're like, well, I'm saved, I love Jesus. Holy Ghost. Now, when I was growing up in church, it was Holy Ghost. Now it's Holy Spirit. And that's just a play on words. It means the same thing. But he said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? He said, we haven't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. And then, look at it, verse 3. And then, this is what Paul says, look at it. And he said to them, into what baptism were you baptized with? John. Right? And then look at verse 4. Then Paul said, here's the same phrase, John indeed baptized you with the baptism of repentance. Paul was saying, dude, you all, you all got this down. You all know how to repent of your sin. You're good at repenting your sin. You were baptized with John. You understand what it means. He said, John indeed baptized you with the baptism of repentance, saying, to the people that they should believe on Him who would come after Him, that is Christ Jesus. Verse number 5, And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And verse 6, And when Peter had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying... Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Do you have the adumen of power? Have you had an experience with God that changes your life forever? I am not talking about salvation. Salvation is wonderful. It's glorious to be redeemed by Christ. It's glorious to come to an altar and confess your sin, and repent of your sin. It's glorious when it feels like a thousand pounds has been lifted from your shoulders. It's glorious when the sky is bluer than it's ever been, and the birds are singing louder than they've ever sung. It's glorious to be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It's glorious to be dead and now to be alive again. But ladies and gentlemen, let's not stop there. There is another experience. It's called the power from on high. The baptism of the Holy Ghost. That when it comes upon you, ladies and gentlemen, it gives you boldness to live right. It gives you strength against sin. It causes you to walk right in the midst of unrighteousness. It is the power from God on high to make you a witness of the very thing that you believed on. Have you been filled with the Holy Ghost? You say, Pastor, 
I don't even know whether I even have heard of this before. These disciples didn't even know it existed either. But Pastor, I, I've done all kinds of things wrong. Guess what? You're a perfect candidate for it. But, but, but Pastor, let me go back and get my life right. I, I love Jesus. I'm saved. But there's some things I'm doing that's probably not right. But let you see, you're missing the point. You can't give it up unless you have the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. You can't give it up by yourself. You can say, well, but, but Pastor, it, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's, 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 I don't know. I don't want to receive anything that's of the devil. You know, Jesus said, if you being evil, knowing how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? God will never give you something that's of the devil. If you are saved and born again and love Jesus and searching for Jesus and wanting the Holy Spirit, you will never get something that's of the devil. You'll never get something. You say, Pastor, why are you preaching on this? Because I am tired of seeing people living defeated lives. I'm going to say that if, why are you preaching on the Holy Ghost on a Sunday morning? Because it's for you and your generation and your generation and as many as the Lord our God shall call. You're never going to make it with victory. I'm talking about being a victorious Christian. You can make it to heaven without the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you don't have it, you can make it to heaven. But why would you want to make it to heaven without it when it can give you power to endure to the very end? You have the Holy Spirit. It will change your life forever. I remember, I'll talk about me because I can't talk about you, but I was, I don't know, 10 or 11 years old, standing in church, and we were singing that song. Um, uh, wherever I am, I'll praise Him. Wherever I can, I'll praise Him. For His, you all know what it is? Love. Me like a sea, I'll praise the name of Jesus. And as I was singing it, I my language, I was reading off the overhead, and I remember as I was reading off the overhead, my language just changed as I was reading, and I was speaking in other languages. Now, as an 11-year-old boy, I was raised in it, but I kind of freaked me out at first. I was like, what in the world just happened to me? But I got filled right there as I was worshiping God. I want to let y'all know something. You don't need somebody to lay hands on you. You can receive the Holy Spirit right where you are at. Are you hungry for it? Do you want it? Do you desire it? It's a gift. All you got to do is open your heart and receive the Holy Spirit. Kenneth Hagin wrote in his book about the Holy Spirit. I read it years ago. I thought it was an outstanding story. Kenneth Hagin was driving through a metropolitan city one day. He was driving through the city, praying in the Spirit, and the Lord said, Kenneth, I want you, when you come up to this intersection, I want you to stop, park your car, and go into a Catholic church for the priest is praying for the Spirit. Kenneth Hagin, who is a Word of Faith preacher, that kind of freaked him out at first. Lord, you want me to pull my car over and, and, and walk into this church and just pray for this random guy of a different faith? The Lord says, that's exactly what I want you to do. So Kenneth Hagin pulls his car over. He gets out of the car, and he says in his book he was really he was kind of sick in his stomach, you know. Get, but he's obeying the Lord, being led of the Spirit. So he gets out of the car, walks up to the big cathedral doors, open up. This is a huge church. He's walking down the aisle, and ain't a soul there. Looking around, he's like, Lord, I hope I hear your voice. As he continues to walk up, he saw a man in a black robe at the altar with his head down praying. Kenneth goes over to the man, lays, taps him on the shoulder. He said, Father, the Spirit sent me today to lay hands on you that you might receive the Holy Ghost. The priest opened up his eyes, looked at the man and said, Brother, I believe. I read it this morning. 
And I ask the Holy Spirit, if it's real, send somebody to pray with me. I might be filled with the Holy Ghost. Kenneth Hagin laid hands on him. Immediately the man started speaking with tongues and was filled with the Holy Ghost. Needless to say, he wasn't a Catholic much longer. I want to let y'all know that the Spirit of God actively is working and desires to work in your life. Are you filled with the Spirit of God? Are you baptized with power? Because if not, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to have rough times. The Spirit of God gives you the ability and the strength to be used of His power. I believe the book of Acts teaches us this, that the power of God that's in the church is not limited to the four walls. Its actions should be taken outside the walls and use the gifts of the Spirit out there. Hallelujah. 